Praise the Lord. We just thank God and we welcome all our listeners, those who are joining in from around the world. Just bless the Lord that here we are um, once again, second night of this Bible conference in St. Martin. Praise God. We thank God. God is good. God is merciful. I am with the Christ Ambassador Ministry International under the leadership of Pastor Hilton Albert. Just thank God for that. Thank God for the way the Holy Spirit has been using this man of God. His commitment is to teaching the word of God and evangelism, equipping God's people for the work of ministry. Why? Simply because God commanded us to do so. We want to welcome all our listeners from other countries. Right now it's about 7.45 here in St. Martin's. It might be in, uh, late in the night, might be early in the morning for you, wherever you are. We just thank God. We thank God for you. We thank God that you can be part of this global family. I want to especially welcome all those from throughout the Caribbean area. Thank God from all those on, on all of the Caribbean countries. Thank you for joining us. Especially my family from the United States. Praise God. All the churches and the saints. I know that many of you got information today to, to check in at this time. We thank God for you. We just bless Bless the name of the Lord and thank God that you can be part of this tonight. We'll be doing this for the rest of this week and from, uh, from now until Friday. And we'll resume next Monday. I'm going to trust God. While I'm here, we pray that God will fill me with His Spirit day by day and continue to use me and use Pastor Hilton. God's continued filling in His life. I thank God for His commitment to the Kingdom of God. His selfless approach in doing that, in that he shares the word of God, and he shares his ministry, and he helps everyone, helps other pastors, because it's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about souls being saved. So we thank God, we just bless his holy name. I want to express my thanks to all the saints that contributed for the need last year with um, Irma, this church from Sudan Road Baptist Church. Praise God. I hope that you're on. It's a little bit earlier, um, early saying this. You have a minute again to come on. But um, praise God. Because all of your labor, this is what is happening here. God honors our faithfulness always. Word of God says whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. I remember a year ago, I remember saying to Sister Bryder that to do all the research and see what we can do and how the Lord will bless. It's a blessing to see how she moved in it so, so quickly. And then the entire church family got involved and God just supernaturally began to open all the doors. So praise God. On Sunday, uh, Pastor Hilden showed me Last year, he said to me, the system is down. He said, I have to go up on the roof to call me 10, 11 o'clock in the night. I did not realize how high that roof was. <laughs> I was comparing that roof with my house. And when I got to his house on Sunday, and he showed me, it's, it's more than a two-story up. He said, that's the roof that you went up on. Well, praise God. I guess the higher the roof, the better the communication too. But in case if he fell, what did the Lord say? He'll send his angels and give them charge to catch him. <laughs> but we praise the Lord. God, God is good. Thank God. Thank God. Let's open with a word of prayer as we get into the word of God tonight, shall we? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We bless your holy name. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you, Father, that you said that your truth will endure to every generation. It is by the truth of the gospel, Father, that you brought us to yourself. It is by your truth, Lord Jesus, your word, that you're revealing yourself to us, giving us ongoing growth, understanding and knowledge as to who we are in you and your love for us. So we thank you and we bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, anoint us, fill us tonight. Your word is living. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word will not return for it. So thank you, Father. Pray to God even tonight for burdens to be lifted. Pray to God for better understanding. Pray, Father, because you said that pray the Lord of the harvest, that you raise up laborers for his harvest field. And then, Father, we pray for souls. Lord, we thank you for this. This media whereby through podcast radio this is being broadcast around the world. So we pray for souls to be saved, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that, that truth, dear God. When you walk among us, Lord Jesus, and you told us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Well, tonight you have your workbook, don't you? All right. Amen. Thank God. So, the way you use that as we work through chapter 2, you would be able, when I ask those questions, you would be able to follow along and know exactly where everything fits. And then you can make note of that as, as we go along. So we thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, last night when we, we concluded, the emphasis was on Paul's, was on prayer. On Paul, in chapter 1, he's praying. He's praying for spiritual wisdom. I sometimes, when I read chapter 2, I, I question, could, that, could chapter 2 actually be the continuation of that prayer? At least what it is, I believe, if not the continuation of that prayer, what it is, is God is telling us that this should be our mindset when we pray. Because when we approach God in prayer, we have to approach His throne with thanksgiving. Matter of fact, everything we do should be with a heart of thanksgiving. Sunday, my first day in this church, I sat over there and I listened to the praise and the worship. And I have never, these past 50 years of serving Christ, I have never felt such depths of worship as I did in this assembly last Sunday. I mentioned that to Pastor Hilton after. I said to God, I'm sitting there and I said, Oh, Holy Spirit, how is this possible? What happened? And what it is is this. The Lord ministered in my heart that through the storm, you know we use the word storm, but this is a literal storm that you all went through. Christ, you experience through the fear, through everything. You are attributing your now because of God's grace. Because there is that heart of thank you, Jesus, that you brought us through this hurricane. You brought us through this. And we just want to thank you. And that's the difference. Whenever worship is centered on God and who he is and what he has done and what he's doing, that would lead to a worship that the Holy Spirit, he anoints. I get concerned sometimes when I see folks get into what I can describe as sort of colorful, fluffy worship. And I think sometimes it's more as a therapeutic worship. I sing and I praise and I dance and then I, I feel good about myself.
genuine worship is what happened here on Sunday. It was just a genuine thank you, Jesus. A heart that says, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want to encourage you. Don't, don't give the enemy any room to lose that. That dynamic. That's what, that is when God says, all things work together for good. At the moment of the hurricane, at the moment of the pain, when the moment when we're going through situations in life, we may not understand it. Matter of fact, many times God does not want us to understand. But he is taking us through. And it is always when we come to a conclusion that God is silent, that's when he is best at work. So this is God using that situation, your trauma, your pain, your situation to bring about his greater good. That's exactly what happened. Thank God for that. Now, when we look at chapter 2 in the book of Ephesians, we'll find some statements made that nowhere in the New Testament this process of salvation is made as clear as Ephesians chapter 2. Nowhere in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 2, we'll also read about what happens after salvation. Of course, in other books, Paul explains that. Book of Corinthians and Romans and Hebrews and many of the other books he went in detail and explained those things. But concerning the process, what actually happens, what brings about salvation, nowhere. What else is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2? There is a, a clear understanding concerning who we were before we came to Jesus and who we are now that we are in Christ. And as we understand that tonight, just as your recent experience that, I, that the Holy Spirit is using to allow you to enter into this relationship with God of saying, Father, thank you. Thank you, God. This is exactly what will happen as we understand this tonight. Because what he delivered us from was not just a hurricane in life. He delivered us, as we'll find tonight, from the very control of the prince of the air that had us on a pathway, on a road to eternal condemnation, to wrath. And God said, I deliver you from that. And as we understand that, nothing should be the same. God, thank you. And then we worship him even more so. So Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince and the power of the ear. The spirit which now worketh in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up 
together and made us seek together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward all us all in Christ Jesus. Let's read verses 8 to 10 together. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And of course, we read that together because, remember, that's one of our theme verses for this conference. What is meant by this quickened or made alive? It means to be made spiritually alive. Apart from the grace of God, apart from truth, God's, God's word, that which is objective, that which is from God, that which is inspired, that which cannot be questioned or challenged. When we heard that word, when we heard the gospel message, something happened inside of us. When we respond to it, and even responding to that, was that also is an act of God's grace. So he made us alive. We who were dead. Prior to salvation, we were all dead spiritually. Prior to knowing Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. We just did not know it. But we were all dead spiritually. What is the nature of being dead? It's that trespasses and sin that led to death from the very beginning. When did this occur on the planet Earth? When God said to Adam, both Adam and Eve understood. The day you eat of the fruit, the day you disobey me, you shall die. We don't have any explanation in scripture as to why, why God allowed that to happen. But when I think through that, and none of us can question God, there are some folks begin to question God. And they would say, well, if God knew everything, why did he allow it? Now, that's a dangerous premise to go down. Because the Bible tells us, how can we, who are created, say to the creator that you owe me an explanation for what you have done? God says, you are just clay." I can choose to make you into a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. And it has nothing to do with whether you're right to question my holy character. It's God. The only way that man can question God is if man did not have a beginning. That's the only way. God is eternal. But since man has a beginning because he was created, then that solves it. God is transcendent. He's beyond our universe, our understanding. But I think that with the breath of God, when, when God breathed in man, and man became a living soul. When God made man in his image, with that came the freedom to choose. And thus salvation, it has this wonderful work that God did through his son Jesus Christ, in that God came in the person of Jesus and walked among us. And provided salvation for us. 
He paid the price for our sin. But it also has a response, reciprocal. We have to either accept it or reject it. And God made us to worship Him. And they not worship, I think. What a greater expression of worship. When we can worship Him because we choose to worship Him. So death resulted in man living in trespasses and sin. Adam's death led to our sinful condition. Total depravity. We cannot in any way we could have measured up to God's holy standard. The conclusion is this. God says, all have sinned and come short of the very glory of God. One time the Bible word of God tells us that God brought sorrow to his heart that he ever made man. And in a sense, you get a sense he was about to start all over. But over oh, the grace of God that Noah found favor because he chose to obey God. There is something there about obedience. Can have a person who, yes, we're not perfect on this side of eternity, but when we obey him, he honors obedience. Yes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we who are saved. But he tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And he honors obedience. Only faith in the resurrected Christ can lead to life. Only faith in Jesus. We know that. The world has to hear that. And God has blessed us with this opportunity to say that to the world. When God changes the heart, the heart can now live for God. But only God can change the heart. David knew this. David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Then he said, oh God, create in me a new heart. And for us, we pray, Holy Spirit, so that I can confess my sins. The soul is a dangerous thing to play with. Very dangerous. We don't want to leave any room for the enemy. Why do that? When God has sealed us with his spirit. Now the enemy is, Satan is influencing unsaved people. And that's what we find in these scriptures. The enemy is influencing unsafe people. Describe as the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now work in the sons of disobedience. Yes, he is working, influencing unsafe people. He's also influencing believers. That's why we have to be alert. I remember we were once there, but by the mercy of God, we're in a right relationship with God. This influence is causing people to walk according to the course of this world. So the enemy is the prince of this world, the world of cosmos. He is well organized. Satan is not omnipresent, but he has a system, a military system, principalities, powers, dominions, spiritual wickedness in high places. Sometimes to be dominated by evil spirits. This is why when God called his servants in ministry, like Pastor Albert and myself, with that calling comes a filling of the Holy Spirit 
and, and understanding as we continue to mature, to understand how to deal with that demonic realm. That's why sometimes when we pray, you may hear us as the spirit leaders to pray, doing battle directly with the enemy in the name of Jesus. Because God gives us. When he calls us, he equips us. He says, I'm calling you to pastor and shepherd. But and my people are being influenced by the prince of this world. And sometimes we're not even dealing with the person, but we're dealing with the forces of evil coming against the person. Playing the blood of Jesus. Speaking in the name of Jesus. Because he says he will fill us and he has with his power inside of us. It's not our power, it's God's power. But it's power that he gives to us. And he gives us wisdom to understand that. The same thing when we go into the, into the world. We were once there, weren't we? We were once there before we got saved. The enemy tossing us to and fro. Satan exerts himself successfully in the heart of unregenerated man. That's what he does. That's why it is not fear to say to the unbeliever that, that you need to love the Lord. You need to correct something from a spiritual perspective. Yes, people can understand by the way of moral laws, their behavior, that it's, it's whether it's good or bad. Yes, their conscience, God is speaking to them. Whether they're saved or unsaved, this God is speaking to us. One of one amazing portion of God's word gives us an assurance. Even speaking here about unbelievers, just the whole world, that God is near to us as human beings. That God is near to us. His presence is, is everywhere. And even more so, now that the church is here, now that the Holy Spirit is active through his church, God describes us in his word as salt and light in the world. There will come a time when that work will cease and the Antichrist will be able to come in, Satan, and take over the world. But God's grace is reaching out to the world. That doesn't mean that they're saved because of that. They still have to come to put their faith in Jesus. And before we were saved, we would have been experiencing the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit leading us, directing us to seek God. That's the grace of God. On the other hand, we would have been experiencing what is described here who now works in the sons of disobedience. We would have experienced the enemy causing us to think through ourselves and our flesh because we're in control, at least we thought we were, of our lives. We were there, weren't we? How are believers in relationship to Satan? How are we? What's our relationship with the enemy right now? We no longer walk. We no longer live under Satan's control. We no longer live under Satan's control. Because greater is he, the Holy Spirit, who is inside of us, than he who is within the world. And remember, remember, our one of our theme verses that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, tonight I want to get back to the understanding of being thankful. 
Remember we started with that? Being thankful to God. And how that leads us into an expression of genuine worship. So let's pause for a moment and let's, let's get hold of that. Let's, let us allow the Spirit to let this really sink in. There is nothing greater that we can be thankful for to our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus when we think, oh dear God, there was a time when I was following the Prince of this world, not knowing it. But now you have delivered me. And now I belong to you. And from that has to come, thank you God. Thank you, Jesus. What is the enemy using? Among whom, verses 3, also, we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the heart and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Let's begin with the last part. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that I am not a child of wrath anymore. Thank you, Jesus, that to be absent from this book, I would would be in heaven. If we had lost our lives during Irma, where where would you be? In heaven. But you didn't because God has something else for you to do. So thank you, God. But observe here. What are two natures of our being Satan is using to control unbelievers? In verses 3. The flesh and the mind. The flesh and the mind. That's how he's controlling them. And that's how he is attacking us. The devil is coming at us also through the flesh. This is why we have to stay in the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that the flesh part of us that says, I want to function outside of seeking God's will. The enemy says, function where you are in control. We have to subject that to the Holy Spirit. Are we following this? The enemy will keep attacking us all the time. And the battlefield is in the mind. Now the flesh part, we can think about desires and feelings. And all those things. Even within churches. The scripture here in the book of Ephesians speaks about disunity. Even in churches. The enemy can make one believer feel, well, someone just offended me. That person probably has no idea what you're talking about. But the person just has that feeling. Because that's a fiery dad that comes from the enemy. Because what is he after? Disunity. So what do we do? How do we deal with that? Satan, get the hands. The body of Christ functions in unity and love. And then he will attack the mind. Why the word of God says we have to be renewing the mind all the time. And the mind can only be renewed by the word of God. If we divorce ourselves from the word of God, we will not have the renewing of the mind process. Have to read the word of God. And what happens to the child of God that says, but I don't have that desire. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and to give us that desire. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Oh, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, fill me. Connect with another believer who will be there to help us and hold us accountable. To call us and say, did you read scripture today? Did you have your personal devotion with the Lord today? Every believer in the church should always have a partner or two that say, if you don't see me in church on Sunday, call me and find out why. Because I don't want to leave any room for Satan 
what are we doing? Safeguarding the flesh and safeguarding the, the mind. It's fiery door. That's, but the unbelievers, that's where the enemy is attacking them. So when we go out and we witness and we say to someone, God loves you, Jesus loves you, and Christ is your Savior, they may not receive that right away. As I shared with you last night, I did not. This year will be the 50th anniversary. 50 years ago, September, I came to Christ. And I did not receive that message right away. Why? We don't take it personal. No. The warfare is against the flesh. And the warfare is against the mind. Against the flesh. Because perhaps the enemy has that person, as the scripture says, being caught up in, in lust, in things in the world, prosperity, careers, all those things. I am by no means saying career is a bad thing. No, God will use us in different fields. But if one lives for his other career and dies without knowing Jesus, what then? But the enemy can use those things. What is the final end of the children of wrath? subject or worthy of wrath. People, people may ask us when we go to evangelize, how can a loving God send people to hell? And our answer is, how can a holy God accept sinful man in his presence? However, because of his loving kindness and his grace, he reached out to us while we were yet in sin. And he loved us. What is the only hope for someone in this condition? The grace of God in Christ. That's the only hope. Verses 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Verses 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive with Christ and then by grace you have been saved let's pause there for a little bit remember this is about prayer isn't it right tonight's session is about prayer that prayer that Paul started in chapter 1 it is dear God every time I pray Father this has to be our thoughts before we bring any needs, before we intercede for anyone or any petition, God, thank you for your grace. Because I could not come to you and say, Father, if not for your grace. Because I cannot budge into your presence. You invited me to come. You told me as a child of God. You said that when you come, you said, come in my name. You said, come, and when we come, we acknowledge, we call on the Holy Spirit to give us a heart of thankfulness and humility before God. See how it changes everything? Everything. Just as the influence of worship. Genuine worship stems from a heart that says, Thank you, God. I see it in my life. I see it sometimes in loved ones in their lives. They go through situations, illnesses, different things. And God, in His mercy, brings deliverance. Then I see that heart of thank you, Jesus. After. Thank you, Jesus. And God is telling us here, look, I want you to have this mindset. Remember where I brought you from. There is always the danger after being saved of separating the gift 
from the giver. The gift is eternal life. But if we get if we become complacent, we can be thinking as to we can be thinking I am safe, I am fine, I am on my way to heaven. And the enemy may want us to forget the giver. We should never separate the gift from the giver. And this is what God is telling us. Everyone following this? Yes. This is what God is saying. It's a past tense. He says, by grace you have been saved. And then verse 6, and he has raised us up together and made us to seek together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If we ever wonder why about the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. If we ever wonder if Jesus is God, why was it necessary for God to then call him and give him all authority if he is God? Didn't he not have all authority? Yes, all things were made by him and for him and for his purpose. And he's sustaining everything. He is keeping everything. Since all things were made by Jesus, the only possible way that everything could be made by Jesus, it means that Jesus had to be eternal. But yet, he was ascended, and yet he is with the Father. Why? Why was that necessary? Well, it's the same thought as to why was it necessary for God to come in the form of man and step into humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. Because a spirit cannot have blood. And a spirit could not be crucified. And the spirit could not pay for our sins. But God wants to send his spirit. And he says, before I send my spirit, I have to send my son. And he has to come in your form, even though he's God. He could have chosen to maintain that status as God. But no, he humbled himself and he came in your form. And in that humility, he's submitting himself even to the point of death. The death on the cross. And then he says, Oh yes, the Spirit will come, but I have to go in order for him to come. When I go, I will send him. So what is this Jesus, our Master? He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. This is it right here. God is saying, this is what it is all about. Isn't that marvelous? God is saying to the church back then, this is what it is. The fact that Jesus in his human form, this Jesus whom you are looking at going up, he will return. Physical human form as us representing us. Isn't that awesome? Oh, next time we come before God in prayer. Changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. And and please listen, don't generalize it. Don't, oh dear God, you did this for believers all over the world. Yes, he knows that, but he saved us individually. So God, thank you, Jesus. You died for me. You sealed me. You rose again for me. You ascended for me. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father for me. And because of that, I am partaking of the riches in heaven because of that. That's what this verse is about. Are we following that? Yes. So God, what is meant by quickened us together with Christ? God made us alive spiritually and we can put like God thank you for making me alive God has imparted the life of Christ in us you can God you have imparted the life of Christ in me on your notes that would be B C it would be God has given me a new birth 
God, what God did for Christ by the resurrection, he did also for us. What God did for Jesus, since Jesus came in my form, what he did on his resurrection, he did it for me. The lateral resurrection of Jesus brought about my spiritual renewal from being dead in sin to being born again. And each of us, when we pray with this understanding, oh dear God, see, spirituality and Christian growth is a continuum, an ongoing continuum understanding of the cross what happened on Calvary and we will never be able to fully understand it until we get to heaven so in a sense thank God because it means that we will keep seeking God and helping us helping us to understand Calvary and then by grace you have been saved by grace, you have been saved. What is the relationship, I ask, between grace and salvation? Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is God looking at us and saying, you do not deserve this, yet I'm going to give it to you. Think for a moment what that should do with our prayer life. We are recipients of this, this benefit. Salvation, therefore, is grace plus nothing. Salvation is grace plus nothing. Can't add anything to grace. So stop and let's think about that for a moment. As we pray, dear God, thank you. I am saved. I did not deserve to be, but you saved me. The worship that will stem from that will only be Holy Ghost fell. Because it's a worship that expresses thankfulness. In other words, it's one thing to be thankful. For example, you might say, well, the, the ministry back there. Some of you might have, I think on, on one Sunday morning, just to encourage you, we, we, we did a link and um, Pastor Albert spoke with me while I was up there on, on a Sunday morning. I was the person that you were speaking with on the other hand. Yes. I see you shaking your head. Now you realize, okay, I was the person back there that you were speaking with. But the point is this. What if when the Holy Spirit led me to do this, that a few days after Irma, those things were, we were in contact with each other? What if when the Lord led me to do that, I had a choice to make? I could have ignored it. But God, as always, reminds me, as Esther, as such a time as this. So don't lose the opportunity God is giving. See? But the point is this. Like Esther, if I did not yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would have raised somebody else up. Because at such a time as this, God would have just raised someone else up to encourage this assembly. But So there was an, an alternative, right? All right, so there is that alternative. So on the one hand, Pastor Albert said, oh dear God, just spoke with Brother McCune, and thank you, Lord Jesus, how you led this man through all that full circle, matter of days, connect and give this encouragement. It was a simple call. Pastor Albert, I heard about you. How are you doing? How are the saints doing? How can we get help down there? That's, that's the way the conversation went. It was an immediate situation. But 
there was there would be alternatives, right? But here is here is what grace is. Grace in this sense is saying there are no other plans. We don't have anything other than Jesus. Grace says this is it. It's Jesus and Jesus only. Salvation is based on the grace of God and is only possible through Jesus Christ. If God is not send, did not send his son, there is no salvation. There is no other name under heaven whereby one can be saved but the name of Jesus. There are no alternatives. Are you following this? Such a time as this does not apply to Jesus. This was just purely Jesus' choice because he is God. He looks at us in our condition and he says, in your disobedience, I'm going to love you while you're yet in sin. And since man cannot solve this, you cannot solve your own problem, for all have sinned, I myself will come in your form to solve your problem. That's what grace is. How have we been raised up together with Christ? Christ's physical resurrection. Remember, we partook in that also. And God has seated us in heavenly places because Jesus is there and he's representing us. What is Jesus doing in heaven? In that dynamic of that relationship between God and us. The Bible says he is interceding on our behalf. He is a high priest. He's our high priest. Scripture describes this. There are no problems that you can think of. There are no weaknesses that you can bring before that high priest that he does not understand. He can empathize Sympathize, but empathize. He knows exactly what we're going through. Because he came in all form and yet without sin. You see how it changes our prayer life? Because he's praying on our behalf. So whatever burden, whatever you're going through right now, you may not you may have the big question. The big question is why? It's fine to have why. We don't want to pretend that we know everything. We don't want to walk around and smile and say, how are you doing? I'm great. No. If you're not, you're not. But here's what we know. I am hurting, but I have a high priest. And he came in my form. And he went to the cross for me. And he suffered and he died. And when he rose again, he destroyed the work of my enemy, Satan. And he ascended to the Father. And he has all authority. So here's what I'm going to do I'm going to consult my high priest. Because he says he's interceding there on my behalf. And not only that, here's a wonderful thing. He has sealed me with his spirit. Because he made me alive. He quickened me. Remember that? He quickened me. Verses 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Both processes. This is that statement. Remember I said, no other statement, no other chapter, no other place in the New Testament. It's made as clear as this. The process of salvation. Grace, unmerited or undeserved favor from God toward us. 
salvation, God's greatest gift in making a way for us to enter into his kingdom. Grace makes, what is the relationship between grace and salvation? Grace makes salvation possible. Grace makes it possible. Once Jesus, when Mary, Gabriel is speaking with Mary, says, how, how shall this be? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and form the Christ child in you. Within that very birth is grace. Grace makes salvation possible. And grace is what God does for man, not what man can do for himself. Remember I talk about last night my testimony, how hearing salvation, how I rejected it. Why did that happen? I heard that gospel message. Because I understood back then that my relationship with God had to do with what I am doing. And the religions of the world are saying, we are going to God. The truth is that that's impossible. The only way we can get to God is because God came to us. And that's the message of Christianity. It's a message of love. It's a message that says God loves you right where you're at. We don't complicate it. We keep it very simple to folks. Very simple. God loves you. We can say to the person who might have won a presidential award for good citizenship, God loves you. And we can say to the person who may be living a life of sin, God loves you. Person who may be perhaps maybe in, in a place of Immorality, as the scripture says, a woman caught in the very act of adultery. God loves you. And it is out of that love that's a message of salvation. The verb, ye are saved, is in the perfect tense. This speaks about a certainty of salvation. My salvation is certain. Therefore we are saved in the past and are certain we are saved at this moment right now and we are saved for all eternity. And how do we receive this gift? By faith. And even that, that faith is the moving of the Holy Spirit. What then is faith? Faith is man's appropriation for what God has provided. Because remember, he gave us that freedom, didn't he? He gave us that choice we can choose. And because we are saved, because now that we are saved, God did not retrieve that, did not take it back. We can still choose. We can choose to grieve the Holy Spirit. We have to constantly be appropriating and accepting what God says. We cannot merit even grace we can't merit. Grace we cannot merit and even faith we cannot merit. Even the faith part is still the grace of God. That's why when we evangelize we have to say Lord Jesus Holy Spirit fill me let me share the message clear to the person. And oh dear God, Holy Spirit, move in their hearts as they hear your word. Because God, on the basis that you said, your word will not return void. Wonderful thing with us is, God did not send us to win friends and influence the world. God says, you go and proclaim my word. And there is power in my word. There's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in that objective truth that is living and powerful. As we go out, we say, oh dear God, 
Why can we not save ourselves? Because faith and the salvation is not by words. It's not by works. It's not by human effort. It is by the work of grace. Not the work, not our work. It's the working of grace. Because human merit and effort cannot bring salvation. Because it is a gift of God. And the minute we try to do something, it is as though we're trying to purchase a gift. Why? If we purchase a gift, it's no longer a gift, it's a purchase. So, let's, let's think through this now when we close this part up. We'll take a little break. All of this is going to impact, should, and I'm sure it will, our prayer life one day. We go back and we think of all of this. Oh dear God, thank you. Thank you God for saving me. Thank you God that not only you saved me, that you sealed me with your spirit. Thank you God that Jesus, the fact that in your human form you are in heaven I can now partake of all those heavenly blessings. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have sealed me with your spirit. And you are my intercessor in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's, before we pause here, we'll take up just a, a few minutes. To all those who are listening from around the world, whatever country you're in, the point is there simply God loves you, Jesus loves you. Right where you are. He loves you. And he is God. And he went to the cross and he died for you. Don't complicate that message. It is simply a message of love. In your heart as you are listening to this. God has planted eternity in your heart. He made you. And he made us all. And he made you to worship him. He loves you. And he has provided eternal life. So what you're feeling now in your spirit, what you're sensing in your mind and your understanding is God saying to you, come to me by faith and accept me as your Savior. And we hear God's children in St. Martin's. We want to pray with you. We want to pray along with you as you accepted, are accepting Jesus now as your Lord and Savior. Whether you may be in New Zealand, whether you may be in France, whether you may be somewhere in the United States, any of the Caribbean islands, we want to pray with you as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart what Christ has done for you at this very moment. So saints, let's join others as the Spirit is moving now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we'll pray aloud and we'll pray and help them along as they make their, their decision. Now to those who are listening, this is your personal prayer. Or you can repeat it after us, but remember, saying the prayer without meaning, you have to believe it. And remember what you're essentially believing. That you need a savior. Because we did. And you need to put your faith in Jesus. We're not telling you about Christianity. We're telling you about Jesus. 
We're not telling you about a denomination. We're telling you about your Savior and our Savior, Jesus. Christianity is about the person of Jesus Christ. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you by faith. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, for your burial, for your resurrection. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray believing. Amen. Give the Lord a praise and praise God. We're going to believe God that tonight the gospel went forth. God says signs, wonders, and miracles, the supernatural work of God. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you who are listening, God who started that work in your life, He wants to continue it. Just seek Him. Find a good Bible church. If you're in a country where there are no churches, God loves you. He will work it out. You you are not alone. You are not alone. This is the most important decision you make. And you are a child of God. And you are sealed with His Spirit. Thank you. Now, if you did not understand all of this clearly, and for others who are listening, we will take a five minutes and we will actually get offline and then we will come right back on and we will continue through Ephesians chapter 2 from verses 11 to 22. God bless you.